Let us pray. Most loving and gracious God, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We pray that your Holy Spirit would open our hearts to hear your voice. Lord, may your word be spoken and your word received. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. In this passage from John's Gospel, there is a lot of symbolism going on here right at the beginning of the Gospel that we are meant to connect with. So much is happening and what is taking place right from the beginning we're told this is on the third day. And if we want to think ahead there'll be another third day that we're supposed to be looking for and that is Jesus is raised on the third day to a new beginning, to a new life, to show that he is who he says that he was. And this encounter has the same purpose, to make all of these connections right at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And Jesus' mother was there. And it's interesting to note, when you look through John's Gospel, there are a couple people whose name doesn't get directly mentioned. That's Mary, who is always referred to as the mother of Jesus. And John himself, who's always referred to as the beloved disciple. And there's all sorts of things that uh, Bible scholars could say we could interpret in that, having to do with humility and all sorts of, of things that I guess we don't have full proof for. But the two of them are not mentioned by name, but are clearly people very close to Jesus. And I think part of what we see is in the life of John in Mary's life is the focus of, of their discipleship is to point to Jesus and not to point to themselves. So it's no wonder that when John writes the gospel, he refers to himself as the beloved disciple, but his gospel is to point to Jesus. Mary's role is to point to Jesus. And so they're at this wedding and the wine has run out. And we don't know why the wine has run out. Are there, did the disciples get uh, invited at the last minute and drank all the wine? Nobody knows. Uh, but for some reason, they have no wine, and this would have been a big, a big crisis. And Jesus receives word from Mary, who says, well, they don't have any wine. And he says, well, what does that have to do with you and me? What's our role in this? He's really, he's really asking. And the way it gets translated, it can sound, I suppose, kind of sarcastic that he dare say to his mother, uh, woman, why is this any of our business? What, what's the point? And Jesus says... The follow-up, which is the connection that we're meant to see, he says, my hour has not yet come. But clearly Mary sees something happening that, yes, his hour's not fully come, that's later on, 
But Mary, as she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Now she has no idea what he's going to do. But in, in some ways, Mary is saying to Jesus, well, now's the time to get going. Now's the time to show people who you are and what you've come to do. That the hour has not come where he will pour out his life for us, but she's really saying, get, get the ball rolling here. Let people see who you are. And then we're told that there's these six stone water jars for the Jewish purification. And they have 20 or 30 gallons in them. And they fill the jars to the brim and out is drawn this new wine. And again, it's interesting in the symbolism that we're meant to see the Jesus' first sign that people see have to do with changing this water for purification into wine, which looks a lot like blood, which will be poured out for purification, which we receive week after week in the Eucharist. And so we see symbolism right from this first sign of Jesus' role to come and to purify us to dwell in the presence of God forever. And also, that imagery of wine is seen throughout the scripture as a symbol of abundance and of new life. Throughout the Old Testament, you'll hear of God pouring out new wine in the land of milk and honey. And it's all associated with new wine, with a new beginning with an outpouring of God's love and grace and abundance. This wine is up to the brim, to overflowing they have this life that's going to be provided in Jesus. These are all the symbols that we're supposed to hopefully connect with as we hear an encounter like this. And in fact, the, the, the best wine has been saved for last. Jesus himself has now come the fullness of all that people have heard about before is standing before them to bring new life. And he is that choice wine that in him we find new life and new beginning. We find peace and healing and reconciliation and restoration. And we find it in God to overflowing that we don't have to worry about it running out. And we're told at the end of this encounter, well, this is the first of his signs. One of the things you'll also find when you look through John's Gospel is he never says the first miracle. He always says sign. And I think that's an important statement for us in this season especially because between now and Ash Wednesday, we're in this season of Epiphany, following from that feast. That, that encounter that the wise men had in recognizing who Jesus is, that's not the last sign. That's not the last unveiling. And this season that we have in the church, throughout Epiphany, the readings will be showing us more signs of who Jesus is and what he's come to do. And this is the first of those signs, but it's not the last. 
and we'll have a season of continuing to see Jesus for who he is and what he's come to do. And that's vitally important, I think, even for us who have perhaps walked with Jesus for years and years. Being able to see his work here and now today. Those are the signs that we also still need to look for. That we don't just say, oh yes, Jesus was here and he did those things a long time ago. But what we have testified in Scripture is supposed to confirm who Jesus is, but we're not supposed to stop looking. What we're also supposed to be praying about and looking for in our own lives is to say, where do we see the signs of God at work? Where is he bringing new life and hope and healing and restoration? Which come even when we're facing some of the hardest times. God remains with us in the midst of that and pours out himself for us and says, I will be with you. I will see you through this. There is abundance of life in me given to you. There are new possibilities and things that you've yet to even see. And so as we move through the epiphany season, may we make it a part of our prayer to ask God to open our hearts and our eyes and our minds that we might see Jesus, that we might see the signs of his work in your life and in mine. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this day. We thank you for this first sign at the wedding feast at Cana. And we pray that our eyes will continue to see. May we come to know the fullness of life available in and through you offered by Jesus Christ. May we be transformed into his image and likeness. We ask this through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.